the real tragedy of this situation is that we're never going to find out the answer to one of the most important questions that I wanted to find out all offseason. And, you know, is it that Jarrett Stidham is garbage or not? And now we'll never know the answer because Cam Newton signed to the Patriots, took that boy's starting job right off rip, uh, <laughs> react. Patriots fan, Joey Carrion. Patriots fan in the flesh. Uh, you know, I don't hate the signing. I really don't. I mean, it's a good pickup, former MVP. On this pod, I haven't been too high on Cam Newton. Um, you know, you mm-hmm. could you could pull the tape on that. Haven't been too high on him as a thrower of the football. But his rushing ability, you know, could provide a spark to the Patriots offense and could give some of the Patriots players some good fantasy value this year. But in terms of Jared Stidham and Cam Newton, from what it sounds like right now is that Jared Stidham is still the starter, but I doubt Stop he's the starter it. come Stop week it. one. I'm saying right now, reports are saying that it was just to bolster the QB room because they just didn't want to go into the season mm. with Stidham and, and Brian Hoyer as their top two. Right, but, right. you know, I, I like the signing. I, I think Cam will come in and I think he could be a good addition to the to the squad. So shout out Cam Newton. Well, first of all, Jared Stidham never touching the field. Never playing a staff. It's not happening. Hey, hey, hey. You never know. Cam Newton has been <laughs> injured. He's been injured the last couple of years. So if something happens, Jared Stidham time, baby. As the ultimate Josh Allen, you know, hater, does it does it hurt your feelings to know that, you know, Josh Allen Sr. is now the starting quarterback <laughs> of your favorite team? <laughs> Uh, Josh Allen Sr., huh? Uh, yeah, it's kind of, can't, can't really think of the word. Um, bittersweet? Yeah, bittersweet, yeah. Because, obviously, Brady left, which hurt, and then I'm a known Josh Allen hater, so we signed his father. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's bittersweet, to say the least. Yeah, all right, we, we can close it out here. I mean, I, I'm just happy for you because it really takes the Patriots out of that 2-3 to three win you know, ratio that they were in before and, and really elevates them to at least mm. being in the ballpark of, you know, six to seven wins. So it won't seven. be such a miserable season for you uh, anymore. Yeah, six to seven wins, huh? Well, good thing we have money on it. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 75 of the DFS Dose Podcast, your fix of fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover. As always, I'm joined by Joey Carrion. Today's show, look, this is a show that I think has been long overdue. Listeners of the podcast, longtime listeners, will know that there's a standing beef that exists between Joey and myself. The subject of this dispute, obviously, is who deserves credit for being on Darius Slayton, a.k.a. Godius, first. And, you know, I'll give Joey his props. He makes a really compelling argument. You know, one time, a long time ago, he took Darius Slayton in the fifth round of a dynasty league, you know, thinks that it gives him lifetime rights to Darius Slayton. It's a very strong argument. On the other hand, you know, I turned my Twitter into a Darius Slayton fan page for a good three weeks, dubbed him with his world-famous nickname, Godius. You know, he walks through the streets of New York City, Giants fans yell out to him, Godius, Godius, how are you doing? You know, so so I, I gave him that. But but really it's a gray area because we didn't talk about it much on the podcast. And that's what today's show 
is going to be focused on. We're going to get our guys, you know, the guys that we believe in, the guys we want to plant our flags behind early in their careers on record so that when they blow up next year, we can go back and say, hey, look, I told you so. And there won't be any gray area. There won't be any dispute. There won't be any of Joey trying to come and jock my plays as he did with Darius Slayton. Uh, Joey, did I get the facts straight with this with this sort of <sighs> rundown? You definitely did not get the facts straight. Hashtag fake news. So I was on him in April of 2019. You became a Darius Slayton fan in week 13 of the NFL season, which is in November. Like, I think, I think your, uh, your bias is showing here. Mm. I think, I think, I think you just don't want me to have this. Nah, no, never, never that is, it's all love. I always want my brothers to succeed. And that's why we're doing this show today. We're going to go over a handful of guys that we believe in our guys for 2020. But before we get into any of that, Joey, would you mind telling the people how they could support the podcast? As always, you can support the DFS Dose by subscribing or following us on every major podcast platform, which includes Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Podcast Addict if you have an Android. If you would like, you can leave a rating and a review, and then five stars, of course, if you want to leave a rating. And then you can also subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is at the DFS Dose. And then you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the DFS Dose to keep up to date with the latest news clips and takes from Ben and myself. Yep, do it. Subscribe, like, all of that good stuff. Let's get right into it. Now, the the main focus of this is to get on somebody early, right? We're not going to pick, you know... Tyreek Hill or or you know Alvin Kamara Christian McCaffrey right we're want we want to get on some guys that haven't blown up yet so these are going to be young players first year second year guys guys that are are going really late in drafts and guys that really haven't hit their full potential yet so Joey kick us off who is your first your first guy your guy for 2020 my guy is Nikhil Harry had to had to go with the Patriots wide receiver you know first round wide receiver last year Hampered by injuries early, you know, started the year on injured reserve last year, missed the first eight games, came back, was a healthy scratch. You know, it's well known that the Patriots offense is one of the hardest offenses to learn, especially for a wide receiver. And I know the Patriots have a long history of drafting bus at wide receiver, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Aaron Dobson, to name one, Kenbrell Tompkins, you know, Josh Boyce, etc. Hasn't hasn't been, you know, very fruitful in terms of the drafting of wide receivers for the Patriots. But I think Nikhil Harry with Cam Newton can be a pretty good downfield and red zone threat for the Patriots this year and for years to come. And I still think he is a good receiver. Obviously, they invested a first round draft pick into him. I think he will play more this year. I think he maxed out at about 65 to 70 percent snap share last year. I think that'll go up to around 80 to 90 this year. But I'm all I'm all in on Nikhil Harry as, you know, one of my guys that I'm willing to put my uh, what's the what's the word stamp? Uh, put your flag behind him. Yes. Yeah. Put my stamp on. Okay, I mean, uh, a lot of people are on him, so I'll give him that. But he's going late in drafts right now. I I think he'll have a good year. So Nikhil Harry, he he is going late 
And you can get him well after some of the rookies that people are excited about. Guys like Ruggs, guys like Rager, obviously Lamb, Judy, the guys that are going high. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I like that. I like that uh, leverage, if you will, and going after a second-year player. He's not going to have as significant of a learning curve as these guys, although he hasn't produced much yet in the NFL. I do like Cam Newton as an upgrade on Jarrett Stidham. He goes from having a bottom 30, 31, 32 quarterback to a mid-range guy in Cam, so that's uh, that's good for him. And, and he does something that none of the other wide receivers or options on that team really do do you know they've got julian edelman strong in the slot they've got james white for the underneath stuff um and then that's really it they have muhammad sanu who's an outside wide receiver but he's old he he's past his prime to say the least at least Nikhil harry has some meat left on the bone if you will you know he's going to be able to go out there and hit some untapped upside his best player profiler comp is alan robinson so love to see that it's just a matter of him really taking the step that you know, his draft capital suggests that he will, you know, is he going to be one of those guys that develops a little bit later, or is he going to be, you know, Josh Doxson or Laquan Treadwell or Corey Coleman? Yeah. So, so I like Nikhil Harry. I have, I checked before the show, I have 9% exposure to him in best ball. I'm comfortable with that. I'd, I'd like to actually up that exposure a little more because I do think Cam Newton is an upgrade on Stidham significantly. And, and yeah, he's the perfect wide receiver five, wide receiver six to target, I think, in fantasy. And he, he's going in the range where you can do that. I mean, with everything that you said, I'm all on the kill, Harry. And I think that, you know, bringing up guys like Laquan Treadwell, Josh Jackson, like that's fair. Obviously, it could realistically happen, especially with the Patriots history, like I just talked about. But I, I think he's more talented than those guys. And I, I think he'll be a good uh, jump ball downfield threat for uh, Sir Cam Newton this year. So I, li- I like Nikhil Harry. All right. Let me talk about my first guy, one of, one of my guys for 2020. He is a running back, a man coming from Appalachian State, 5'10", 203, absolute burner, 4'4", 140. That's 96 percentile. And he's a running back who has top 100 draft capital. I'm, of course, talking about Darrington Evans, the Titans' third-round pick. They took him 93rd overall. And and let's call him what he is. He's the perfect complement to the big dog, King Henry. Okay, I think that Evans gives the Titans what they were hoping Deion Lewis would give them, a fast, explosive change of pace back that allows them to give Henry a breather when he needs it, while also bringing some receiving upside to a backfield that, frankly, completely lacks it with Henry there. You know, Evans is the exact type of pseudo-handcuff that just adds a ton of value to a fantasy roster. You know, Derrick Henry is still going to dominate touches. You know, Evans isn't a threat to that. I would never suggest that. But, you know, to me, it's very similar to when Henry first joined the Titans and was firmly behind DeMarco Murray on the depth chart. You know, there's a chance that there's some standalone value there, and he's an obvious you know, handcuff with nobody else behind them on the running back depth chart. So if Henry goes down, Evans steps up. He's got that upside built into him. But, you know, just what he's able to do with the athletic style he has with his speed um, and and what he could potentially do on a third down role, I wouldn't be shocked to see him have a role similar to what Henry had when he entered in as a rookie, which was 8.2 touches per game his rookie season when he was the running back two behind uh, to Marco Murray in 2016. So, you know, I think Evans could be in that ballpark in terms of touches per game. He's going really late right now, 16th round or later in best ball. I just took him at pick 199 in a draft right before we started recording. And I just think that he has some standalone value, especially in P 
PPR with with the built-in handcuff value uh, as well. Yeah, so with Evans, it's just, you know, like you mentioned, it's about if he can get on the field and, you know, get touches with the big dog there. I think he's a better dynasty asset than a best ball asset right now. Derrick Henry really hasn't been injured in his career so far, so I don't think there's a risk, but like you like you mentioned, he's a good handcuff. And the big thing is, well, for me, is Derrick Henry's contract, right? So he's on the franchise tag for this year at $10 million for the year. No long-term deal has been negotiated out yet for Derrick Henry and the Titans. So he could end up walking after this year. And if he leaves, Evans could be a great dynasty pick this year and for next year. And I I like that you're getting behind him now. I definitely love him for dynasty. I think that his first year production could be shaky. But again, to me, he's just like a much cheaper version of a guy like, I don't know, Tony Pollard or Chase Edmonds or Alexander Madison, like those guys who are going about, you know, 40 to 50 picks ahead of him. And I see him being sort of in that same role where he'll have some touches, he'll have some catches here and there. And then if the guy ahead goes down, that's, that's just really valuable. I look to target those guys, those handcuffs, um, you know, sort of as my running backs five or six in best ball and he fits the bill and the price is just too good. But uh, in dynasty, especially, yeah. Um, you know, he'll, he'll probably get enough touches so that they'll be able to see if they view him as a guy who can sort of step up when Henry departs. Cause I, I kind of view it as when Henry departs, not if he departs, you know, he's just as great as he is, as much as we both love him. And as much as the Titans have built last year and this coming year around him, he is a one trick pony. You know, he's not going to, he's not dynamic. He's not going to get the Christian McCaffrey extension. Uh, I don't, I don't think so. I think it's only a matter of time until he's gone. And and if Evans can show something, he might be able to get the first crack at that starting role for 2021 and beyond. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely a one trick pony and see, we know that running backs don't matter, but the NFL might not know that. And so they could give him a large contract like I think that's definitely in play um you said you think he's leaving I'm probably about 50 50 on it right now if I had to give an estimate because I think he is the focal point of their offense and he is the player that they're going to focus on getting the ball to uh in games so I'm 50 50 on it but I'm still I still like the pick with Evans and getting behind him now um, and if things break his way, he could he could be a, a good pick and a good player for Tennessee. So I mean, we just saw the Titans extend uh, Ryan Tannehill, so clearly they have an eye for what's important in terms of team building. <laughs> hey, I mean, a lot of a lot of people are are high on Tannehill. I think we talked. I don't know if we talked about her or if I'm mistaken for like a tweet I put out, but I'm not high on Tannehill at all. But I, I actually like Tannehill. I know you don't. I mean, we, we definitely talked about it during the AJ Brown segment a couple yeah. of uh, episodes yeah, yeah. ago. Um, yeah, but yeah, we, we don't have about. to rehash the entire discussion. Why don't we move on to your second guy, the guy that you want to put your stamp on for 2020? Yeah. So it's another second year wide receiver. Um, he plays for the Indianapolis Colts. 4.31 40-yard dash ranks in the 100th percentile. 117.2 speed score ranks in the 97th percentile and, and is in the 97th percentile for, for burst. So an absolutely explosive wide receiver. I'm talking about Paris Campbell. Mm-hmm. Love it. Yeah, so he was 
injured just as Nikhil Harry was last year for the majority of last year. Only appeared in seven games with a 43% snap share. It's based on that I think he is a good player and a good wide receiver. And the fact that Michael Pittman, the receiver that they drafted in the second round, is going higher in drafts than Paris Campbell. It's looking like Paris Campbell will be the slot receiver for the Indianapolis Colts. And I know we talked about Phillip Rivers a couple episodes ago, or you talked about him specifically, saying how he's just an absolute value right now. And and what was it? He hasn't finished as worse than the QB 20? Hasn't finished worse than the QB 15, I want to say, since like 2012 or something absurd, like last seven seasons. Yeah. So if you have, you know, like a like a low end QB one, high end QB two and Phillip Rivers with a team that ran three wide receivers more than 60 percent of the time last year with Jacoby Brissett, I think there's enough, you know, vol- potential volume and potential workload with Paris Campbell for him to be a great asset. And I just want to end, you know, my side off with a quote from the head coach, Frank Reich, which was said on May 26th, so just a little over a month ago. He said, I'm super pumped about Paris and where the upside is. We didn't get to see him enough last year. He was hurt a lot. I'm proud of the way Paris has been handling the offseason. He's been doing everything possible. He's working out hard, yada, yada, yada. We've been around him enough. I see things in Paris. I see a really good wide receiver with good wide receiver skills. That that's just, that Right there, that's just enough to, to convince me. So I'm all on Paris Campbell this year. Mm. I, I okay I love Paris Campbell first of all I think that he is best suited to be more of a deep threat burner than he is to be a slot receiver hence why I'm higher on him I think in Dynasty than I am for 2020 I think that with T.Y. Hilton uh, you know turning 31 during this NFL season I believe he only has one year left on his contract after this year you know, I, I could see Paris Campbell really growing into sort of that T.Y. Hilton role, potentially for the Colts mm-hmm. in the future. So I love his potential upside, but I do think that he has a path, like you said, to dominating snaps in the slot, even if that's not where I personally believe he best fits in. What the hell do I know? You know, if they're going to use him that way, I think that he's athletic enough to really capitalize on those opportunities. So I do like Paris Campbell, same boat as Nikhil Harry. He's one of these guys that just has a lot of upside. In my opinion, he's getting overlooked because, you know, he didn't really do much his rookie year, but like you said, you know, he missed more than half the season with injury and people are going to knock him for that. But you know, it happens. So he's going to come back. He's going to get a fair shot. He's going to have a quarterback upgrade, a coaching staff that's going to put their players in positions to succeed. And, you know, we saw Philip Rivers loves to throw to the slot. He did it to Keenan Allen for the last however many years. And mm-hmm. if that guy is going to be Paris Campbell, then then yeah, go for it. And, you know, with the speed and the explosiveness that he adds as well. Yeah, there, there's a ton. There's a ton to like about Paris Campbell this year. Yeah, and I and I agree with everything that you just said, and I'll just leave it off with Paris Campbell and Philip Rivers are actually reportedly working out together as well. Uh so in the you know, in the in quarantine. Alright. Moving on to the next guy. One of the guys that I've been hyping up all offseason. Uh he is a second year wide receiver. And that's Alan Lazard. And, and, you know, sometimes I'll bring this up. People look at me a little crazy. They they think I'm I'm tripping a little bit. I get it. He's not the most athletic guy. He was undrafted. But look, 
there's a few simple reasons that I think Alan Lazard is one of the best values going in drafts right now. It's because he's going to be the wide receiver too to Aaron Rodgers. It's really that simple. Okay, MVS, Equinemia St. Brown, they had their chance. They bring in Devin Funchess. Okay, I mean, Devin Funchess is better suited to be Jimmy Graham's replacement than Alan Lazard's. Let's be real. And the Packers didn't add a wide receiver in the draft. They're going to be a run-heavy team, which leads me to believe that it's going to be a lot of two wide receiver sets with Devontae Adams on one side, Alan Lazard on the other. And if you were drafting best ball leagues last year, you were paying eighth or ninth round prices to get exposure to either MVS or Geronimo Allison. People were very split on who they believed would be the second target in that offense last year. And now, I think just sort of out of like frustration, people were mad they got the situation wrong last year. They're just like, screw it. I'm not even going to draft another wide receiver besides Devontae Adams. Well, mm-hmm. you know, Aaron Rodgers is going to throw to somebody. And if that guy is Lazard and he is going, you know, later than wide receiver 60, it's it's just pure opportunity. And I'm going to hammer that value all offseason. He's my second highest owned player in best ball. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him be first if he remains this suppressed in terms of ADP. Now, I don't think he's the most talented guy in the world, but talent is not always the most important thing. A lot of the time it's opportunity as we know. And and that's really the crux of why I I like Lazard. I mean, we're talking about a guy who basically wasn't a full-time player until week six or later when he really started to get time on the field. And he finished with the second most receiving yards behind Adams on the team. So, I mean, he's shown it. And he earned Aaron Rodgers' trust in as little as one year. I mean, Aaron Rodgers' entire family hasn't been able to earn his trust throughout his whole lifetime. So I think that just speaks to the character of Alan Lazard more than anything. And and that's why uh, I'm on Team Lazard for 2020. (laughs) Uh, Good point about the family and the trust. I I like that. Uh, But yeah, I mean... I don't I don't mind Lazard. I think you covered pretty much every base and what I was going to say. And, you know, one of my main points was what you just mentioned there at the end was, you know, he may not be the most talented wide receiver, but if he's going to be on the field with Aaron Rodgers, one of the, you know, one of the best quarterbacks over the last 10 years, eight years or so, and still has one of the best arms in the NFL, it's just great opportunity for Lazard and if he's out there as the wide receiver too, he's gonna see he t- he's gonna see targets with Devontae Adams being the focal point of you know cor- or second secondary opposing secondaries. So I, I like Lazard as you know like a 17th round, 18th round pick, and that's where he's going. So I, th- I think you covered it pretty well. I'm I'm on Lazard with you. Let's go. All right. Joey, give me your final guy, the the last guy that you want to put your stamp on 2020. All right. So, you know, we're throwing it we're throwing it back a little to when I called Darren Waller of last year mm-hmm. in August, right? And I and I got hate. I got hate from it from my from my co-hosts saying it was terrible, you know, who who is Darren Waller? He has 15 catches in his career. <laughs> <laughs> well, this this pick might upset some more people, and even uh, you, Benjamin. My final guy, just a, a straight sleeper, Josh Oliver, tight end for the Jacksonville Jag- <laughs> for the Jacksonville Jaguars. See, I couldn't even get through it without laughing. In in all seriousness, uh, Josh Oliver is a second year tight end. He was drafted in the third round of twenty nineteen by the Jacksonville Jags. 
6'5", runs a 4.6340, so he's pretty quick. 109.2 speed score, ranks in the 87th percentile. So he's a, you know, he's a fast, athletic tight end on a team that has Tyler Eifert and James O'Shaughnessy as their tight ends. He was also injured last year, so I guess that's the theme of my players, is guys who were injured last year but could provide, you know, some value this year and years beyond. And I, I I really do like him as a prospect, just like I just mentioned. He's athletic. He's on a team with a very thin tight end depth chart. He worked with Gardner Minshew last offseason. He's working with him this offseason again. So there's some chemistry there. And if he can get on the field, I think he could be a solid option for Gardner Minshew in an offense that is projected to be pretty bad. But I look at it as if they're losing games, they're going to be throwing a lot. And if Gardner Minshew is slinging it, Josh Oliver could could be a beneficiary of Gardner Minshew slinging it. And I have a, I have another quote from the tight end coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars from last month. He said he's got speed and he's got toughness. He has the ability to do it all. He has good hands. He showed savvy in route running as far as finding those zone windows and understanding if a defender has leverage. He could break routes and come back friendly to the quarterback. It's just a damn shame we didn't get to cultivate that and work that work on that during the season. Mm, a damn shame. That's straight from the tight end coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. So if the Jags implement him into the offense, He's going for literally nothing. He's probably on your waiver wire in your leagues right now. He's obviously not getting drafted in best ball. I'm not saying to go spend one of your picks on this guy, but as a dynasty, you know, player myself, I'm I'm looking for these guys that I can get for literally nothing. And Josh Oliver fits the bill. So, all right, Tyler Eifer, I'm not worried about it. That man has bones made of glass. He had one good season, <laughs> 2015, when he had 13 touchdowns, and he basically hasn't done anything since so his path to being the starting tight end is there it's right in front of us so i do like that he was not on my radar at all until you tweeted uh the other day talking about how he could be the next darren waller i saw you catch a bunch of flack from that you know i think that came out of misunderstanding people didn't really get what you were saying you know they're saying oh oh, it's gonna be john new smith it's gonna be this person that person but it's like they weren't as unknown as darren waller was and the way that josh oliver is now i totally understood what you meant correct like that's that's where you were going with that yeah so you know for the listeners out there if you don't follow me i quote tweeted somebody's take about who's the next darren waller and i was like it can't be guys like hayden hurst or john new smith and you know, just real quick, that's who he's compared to. Like, that's his most comparable player is Hayden Hurst, actually. And I was like, it can't be those guys because Hayden Hurst is being drafted as a tight end one in best ball leagues. Like, it it can't be. Darren Waller, at this time last year, was not being drafted. He wasn't even a thought in people's minds up until late August when, you know, the coaches were hyping him up and then you had some popular analysts like Matthew Barry putting him higher in, in their rankings and and whatever. So that that's what I meant by that statement. So I, at least you interpreted it 
correctly. Yeah, and I like, knew I knew exactly what you meant. And yeah. you're not saying that Hayden Hurst and Johnu Smith are likely to, you know, finish lower than Josh Oliver. It's just that these are guys yeah. that people are taking. Everybody's taking them. Josh Oliver doesn't have an ADP. Like if you look on drafters, he just simply doesn't have one because <laughs> he's probably not been drafted once. But I like him. I like I like the reasoning behind it. The only the only thing that is a drawback is just DJ Chark, Lavishka Chenault, DD Westbrook, Chris Conley. It's like there's so many mouths to feed and besides DJ Chark I really can't project any of the other guys for any significant target share because I just don't know how it's going to shake out. Like mm-hmm. they drafted Lavishka Chanel, which to me says that, you know, D.D. Westbrook is probably, you know, on the outs with them. But who knows? You know, it's a rookie COVID, you know, no time to practice, blah, blah, blah. All the stuff we we talk about every week. So who knows? how that target share is going to really shake out. I guess that would be my only thing with Oliver, but if he's good enough, he's athletic, if he can earn Minshew's trust, and if they're passing a lot because they're one of the worst teams in the NFL and they're always down, which I agree with your take that they should be, then yeah, I think Oliver makes a lot of sense. And, you know, frankly, you know, I, I don't know about, you know, your your claim to Darius Slayton, but I'm not going to hold you. You were on Darren Waller. You brought him up on the podcast. I laughed at you. I said he had 15 career receptions and that you were a clown for suggesting him. And you know what? I'm going to just put some respect on your name. You might be the the deep sleeping tight end whisperer. And and until until you're proven wrong, you know, I'm on the I'm on the Oliver bandwagon as well. <laughs> You know, I, I appreciate that. They call me the tight end whisperer now. I like that. Yeah, that, that's good stuff. That's good. That's good stuff. Um, all right, I'm going to move on now. Talk about my final guy. The guy, this is, I saved this one for last because this is my guy. I've been waiting to talk about this on the podcast for months. And, and it's a player who saw really an unparalleled level of disrespect in the 2020 draft is he fell deep into the second round. This is a guy who was passed on by, you know, my count, a minimum of seven wide receivers who had no business going ahead of him in the NFL draft. Guys like Van Jefferson and Chase Claypool, and no disrespect to these guys, but they don't deserve to hold my guy's jockstrap on the way back to the locker room, Joey. J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. No, 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 no. It's M-I-M-S, Mims, Mims, Mims from here on out. Denzel Mims, Baylor wide receiver, 6'2", 215, 438, 40. That's a 96th percentile. He's 90 plus percentile in speed score, burst score, 95 percentile catch radius. His player profiler comp is Chris Godwin. Two years from now, we're going to be looking back at Denzel Mims, you know, going in the second round, the way we looked at Devontae Adams falling to the second round, the way we looked at Michael Thomas falling to the second round. Now is the time to get on the bandwagon. You know, Sam Darnold, Jets Jets quarterback, he's had to overcome a lot in his young career. Bad coaching, mononucleosis, poor school, (laughs) poor, (laughs) poor skill position talent on offense, no longer. I mean, he still has bad coaching, but he can't catch mono again. That's just not how it works. That's a one and done kind of thing. He no longer has poor skill position talent. He has a legit wide receiver one. You know why? Because he has Denzel fucking Mims. That's why. I rest my case. Denzel Mims, Jets wide receiver one. He's the man. Let's go. I, li- I like the passion. I really do. Uh, you might you might have convinced me that <laughs> he's he's actually going to be the Jets wide receiver one. Uh, but, I mean, you know, I, I don't hate it. I, I really don't. I think Mims 
is a really good prospect. I think he will be at minimum third on the receiving depth chart. I know you might have something to say about that, but I think Perryman and Crowder are above him on the depth chart as of right now. Perryman. But he has all of the, you know, tools and physical attributes and athleticism to be a great player in the NFL. And if you're getting compared to the God himself, then that's just, that's just the nuts. So, yeah, I mean, I like Denzel Mims. I like that you're putting your stamp on him, claiming him. You've been high on him ever since the pre-draft uh, happened back in, what, April? Mm-hmm. So, you know, you finally got your... Uh, your time to <laughs> your time to talk about them. So yeah, I, I like the tenacity that you brought with that. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, Brashad Perryman, uh, ex Ravens bust, and you know, guy who stepped in when Jameis Winston was slinging five hundred yards per game after Godwin and after Evans got hurt. Yeah, I'm not worried about that. I my my real true concern with Denzel Mims is you know it's the ultimate question of talent versus coach that suppresses talent because Adam Gase is still there and it seems like his only specialty that he brings to NFL teams is reducing offensive skill position talent to their worst form so I am concerned about Denzel Mims coming in in a shortened offseason and, and having bad coaching uh, and potentially shaky quarterback play like we mentioned on one of our recent podcast Sam Darnold's numbers weren't looking too much better than Luke Folks who stepped in you know for him during the mono weeks so yeah I mean I've got some questions about Darnold but I do think that Mims is the best wide receiver he's had since entering the league and you know look I'm not I'm not the tape guy you know I don't grind tape like that but there are a certain select group of players that I will go and I will watch a bunch of tape on them because like I feel that you know passion bubbling inside me I'm like all right I like this guy you know, I like the numbers on him. I like the athletic on him. But let me go see some some footage. Let me see what my eyes are telling me. And, you know, this this might be a weird comparison, but the player that kept coming to mind for me when I was watching Denzel Mims tape was Sammy Watkins. And And I don't mean, you know, the Sammy Watkins of today that runs around the field thinking he's a dinosaur or a horse or whatever he said in that Tyler Dunn article. But I mean the Sammy Watkins that, you know, coming out of Clemson was the consensus best wide receiver prospect in a class that had Mike Evans and Odell Beckham and Devontae Adams and Jarvis Landry, Brandon Cooks, et cetera, et cetera. It's like best class of all time. Seriously. And, and this class has gotten comparisons to that. And, you know, Mm -hmm. while Watkins was the guy who went first in the clear number one prospect Mims fell, but just the way that he contorts his body and goes up for the contested catch. And he's so fast and, and big too. It's just like, I, I, I love, I love the guy. You know, the pants came off when when he got drafted. I I was so annoyed that guys like Van Jefferson, Chase Claypool, these guys were going ahead of him. It, it was just nerve wracking, and I'm glad that he ended up in a position where the path to being the wide receiver one is there. And he's going so late in drafts. You know, pick 180 or later a lot of the times in best ball. So I, I'm gonna eat that up and, and just hope that his talent is so significant that even. Adam Gase can't hold him down. That's the biggest concern when Denzel Mims is, you know, the opportunities there, the talents there, but can he overcome a cancer? That that's literally what Adam Gase is. He's a locker room cancer. He alienates his players. We've seen multiple reports of that. And especially with how they're handling uh this Jamal Adams situation as well. Like in all accounts, Adam Gase is 
by far the worst coach in the NFL. I don't know if that's a reach or not, but he needs to be gone. The Jets need to fire him. I feel like we've talked about this for the last three weeks, you know, talking about specific Jets players. But hopefully Denzel Mims can overcome it and be a great player. I mean, we all know he has the tools and the ability to. Just can he overcome Mr. Adam Gase is the the everlasting question. Well, if Adam Gase doesn't do something this year, I think he's gone anyways. So I think we'll be looking at Mims in a a really positive light this time next year. But I think that that is all we've got. So in the future, once Mims is popping off, I don't want Joey taking uh, credit for him. (laughs) Same goes when Josh Oliver is being drafted as the tight end four or five next year. I'm going to be giving Joey his credit. We put it here. We got the evidence. We got the proof. The proof is in the pudding. The proof is in the pudding. Now, now, really, it's just the Darius Slayton situation that we can endlessly debate. Um, but yeah, good pod. Uh, glad we, glad we got to talk about some of these guys. Hopefully, the listeners agree. You know, if you do agree, tweet us. Let us know. If you don't agree, you know, if you've got a guy that maybe we missed, somebody that we should have been talking about along these lines, a first or second year player that's getting overlooked, hit us up on Twitter and uh and put us on because you know we're we're in these drafts. We we want to know if we're overlooking something. So hit us up. Joey, do you got anything else for this week? Uh no, I think you know, I think we covered the guys that we like and think that we'll have good futures in the NFL. So all right, good stuff. Thank you all for listening. As always, like Joey said at the top of the show, you can follow us uh on Twitter at the DFS Doe. Subscribe to the podcast on all platforms, Spotify, Apple, SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, etc. Uh, we put clips on YouTube. And you can follow our personal Twitters as well. Mine is at Ben Hover, B-E-N-H-A-U-V-E-R. Joey, tell them where they can find you. You can find me on Twitter at Joey Carrion DFS. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. And we will be back next week.